0: Welcome back to Mr. Stroud's History Class, podcasters. Today, I'm going to mention a little bit about the Vikings. And one of the reasons, of course, is not only were they here, but how many times have we heard the Vikings were here 500 years before Columbus? Yes, they were. And I'm going to just give you a little overview of the Vikings, because one of the things I've learned is one can get so involved in this that... As the saying goes, you can't see the woods for the trees. So I'm going to give you a little overview of the three voyages of the Vikings to America. And the story gets started with a Viking by the name of Eric the Red. He was on Norway. And you get on your podcast, look up a sculpture of Eric the Red, statue of him, and you will see a man you did not want to mess with. And given the benefit of the doubt to Mr. Eric the Red, I assume that was true because someone apparently did and Eric the Red killed him. Years ago, I read that it was called manslaughter. Then I read it was called murder. In those days, murder and manslaughter were about the same thing. And what they did to Eric the Red is they banished him from Norway and they sent him to Iceland. He goes to Iceland, which, by the way, was not that much ice compared to some of the other places, and apparently someone made him mad again, and he killed another Viking. Once more, they banish him. Now he's got a problem. Podcasters, look at the map of the Earth. I'm going to ask you to do this more than one time. I want you to look and see where Iceland is. Now you look west of there, and when Eric the Red was looking... There is nothing they know nothing without any fear of falling off the edge of the flat earth. I'm gonna say that again. No fear of falling off a flat earth, the red was correct. He landed at a place, and this is my wording, that had more ice than Iceland ever thought of. However, Eric the Red knew the name. And he named it Greenland. Plenty of green in this land. Right? And so Eric the Red is at Greenland. And meanwhile, another Viking, whose father had gone with Eric the Red, decides to go see him. His name is Barney. And here i got to warn you, if you think my Spanish was messed up, let's try Norwegian. The Viking names. Eric the Red I can handle. Leif Erikson got that one down. But this guy, Barney, B-I-A-R-N-I, Jefferson, H-E-R, I U L S O N. I'm gonna just call him Barney. Barney wanted to be with his father, and so knowing that he was with Greenland and found the coast of Labrador. He's the first European to see America. He didn't land, but he saw the coast of Labrador. He sailed down south along the coast. Then he goes back and he found Greenland, he got with his father, everybody's happy. Meanwhile, there is Leif Erikson, the son of Eric the Red. He tells Leif Erikson, you know, Vikings are good voyagers, we're darn good sailors, so don't tell anyone, I miss Greenland. Missed it, missed it, missed it, went by and there was another land." And I knew it was not Greenland because there was no ice. There was wood, forest. The land was flat. Leif Erikson decided to go there because they needed wood. And so off he goes, sailing to the west. He comes along the coast of Labrador. Podcasters, you ever been thirsty? Because apparently Leif Erikson had gotten thirsty. He landed there on Labrador. How thirsty were they? They got on their hands and their knees. There was dew on the grass and they lapped the dew. Not only did they lap the dew, but apparently they have lapped dew before and decided to compare the dew they had lapped. And this was, they said, the sweetest tasting dew they had ever lapped. So the good news is, if you're ever in Labrador, and you're really thirsty, and there's dew on the ground, you might enjoy lapping it because it is sweet. So, he comes along the coast of Labrador. And then he sails to Baffin Island, which he named the country of Flatstone. And then to Bell Island, which is just north of uh, Newfoundland. And he built a large house there, about 70 feet long and 55 feet wide. He also said they had the largest salmon he had ever seen in his life. Now, wanting people to come and help him in Norway, he decided to give it a good signing name, and so he named it Vineland, which meant vines, grapes, grapes. Wanlin. While he was there, according to the stories, a German had disappeared for a few days. He came back, and he was slurring his speech, had trouble standing up straight, probably could not have walked a straight line. And one of the Vikings asked what was wrong, and he said with a smile on his face, He had found grapes, and he knew what to do with grapes, and that's what he did with those grapes, and he made wine, and here he was, drunk, drunk. Oh, my gosh, this was good news, people, good news. So Vineland, Wineland, becomes the name of this place. Podcasters. From what I've read, by people who know much more about this than I do, there are no grapes up there. There's no grapes. And going into some detailed reading about it years ago, the historian said there's no grapes like this north of Maryland. What's the explanation? Have you ever heard, like father, like son, Who put the green in Greenland? Who's gonna put the wine in Wineland and Vineland? It worked, it worked. He goes back to Greenland and then another Viking bars his boat, comes over to Wineland with another group of Vikings and they got over here and they meet the locals, the local Native American Indians or Eskimos, no one knows for sure. And they called them Skreelings, which meant barbarians, or weaklings, or weaklings. They get in an argument with them, they find some of these, and they kill them. The Skreelings come back, they attack the Vikings, and they kill one of the Vikings by the name of Thorvit. Meanwhile, they spent a second winter there, and another one of the Vikings who had been promised plenty of wine said they had not been able to find any wine and been promised good food to eat. And all they found to eat was a dead whale that it washed ashore and it made them sick. No wine, dead whale to eat. He decided that he's going to leave. He'd had enough of this place. And so he got in his long boat with his followers And rather than just saying why he's leaving or just leaving without saying, he decided to sing a little song. I'm not going to sing it for you, but it went something like this. I came here, promised plenty of good wine and a stale well to eat. He'd had enough of this place. And so off he goes. Meanwhile, these Vikings that are still over here in Wineland are visited again by the Skreelings, who they described as rather ugly. And the Skreelings wanted to trade. And these Vikings had brought some of their milk cows with them, which I can imagine how they got them on those boats. And they traded with the Skreelings. They gave them cloth. They gave them milk, which they said they liked very much. And while they were having a good old first trade day, One of the bulls, apparently, found a screeling that he did not like. All took off, running as fast as they could, jumped in their canoes, and took off paddling. I'm sure the Vikings were laughing. Everything was funny, funny, funny. And then a few days later, those screelings came back, and they were ready for war. There were quite a few of them. And as the Vikings pulled their swords out of their scabbards, and got their shields and got ready. The Streetings moved fairly close to them and then let loose a weapon that no Viking had ever seen. The description of it is very simple. A pole with a large black knob on the end which flew toward the Vikings, making a frightening noise when it fell. According to Doctor Samuel Elliot Morrison, that frightening noise was made by this frightening weapon, which was—you ready—a blown-up moose bladder. I'm going to say that again: a blown-up moose bladder. Now, who blew it up? I don't know. That blown-up moose bladder hit in front of those Vikings. They had never seen that in their life and it was terrifying and those Vikings turned and started running for the boats. They ran past a woman, a Viking wife by the name of Freitas. Now, of course, I've never even seen a drawing of Freitas, but I do know there's a saying, without trying to embarrass anyone, but you know, it's not over till the lady sings. Well, I believe Freitas is that lady that's singing. When those Viking warriors jumped by her and got in those boats, she looked at them and she let them have it. Ye big brave Vikings, why in the world are you running like that? Afraid for those little... They weren't going back. And so what Freitas did was she took a sword and she turned toward those squelings. and she lifted her hands in the air let out a war cry like those Freelings that never heard, and started beating her chest, and those Freelings wanted no more of that, ready. And they took off running, and Freitas looked at those Viking warriors. Oh, is it fortunate that you were saved by Freydis? People, those Vikings had had enough. Off they go. When they got back to Greenland, they get yet another voice to come over, and this is going to be the last one. It's led by a man by the name of Thorvet, And they come down to stay in Leif Erikson's houses that he had built. And there's two groups of them. <clears throat> they come with two ships. They build two houses. Fred is one house. She's in one of the ships. And after she got to Norway, she got to thinking. That other house is bigger. That other ship is bigger. Could hold more trade goods. Why would I have to split them with those other Vikings? And so one evening she came in late and told her husband that one of the men in the other house had made a pass at her. Had made a pass at her and that he was to go over there and get even with him and to show him not to do that. I have a feeling that he was a little bit reluctant to believe this, but after all, she did say it, so he had to go. And so, okay, you know, if that's what you want, Freitas. And so he picked up his sword, and all the Viking warriors in the house picked up their swords. Freitas found a sword and they go over to the other house where the Vikings are sleeping, and the men slaughter all of the men, and Freitas slaughters the women. Now she has both houses and she has both boats. After they got through trading with some of the screenings and things, they go back to Greenland. Now since over half of the boat-loaded people are gone, They were going to simply tell them that they had decided to stay in this new vanland. But then one of the crew let it out that Freitas and her husband had killed these people. And so what happened to them was they're not going to be executed. They're not going to be put in jail or anything like that. They're going to just have a curse placed up on their head. And the curse apparently was that their children would never amount to anything. And that curse apparently worked because there is no record that their children ever amounted to anything. Those were the Vikings in America, 500 years before Columbus, between 1000 and 1013 AD. When I was a young man, many years ago in school, If someone had told the teacher of history that Vikings were here before Columbus, the teacher would have smiled politely and said, yes, those are just stories. That's a legend. There's absolutely no proof. Well, podcasters, there is proof. And it was found in the 1960s. And that proof was found by archaeologists, and what proof do they find that Leif Erikson and the other Vikings had been to America? They found Leif Erikson's houses. They uncovered the great house. That's how they know how large they were. Well, how did carbon-14 dating? And so now we know that the Vikings were here 500 years before Columbus. But they themselves had completely forgotten that they had ever come here. And as I told you in the introduction of this course, there were others that were here first. Vikings were one of them. There are legends about others. But podcasters, once Columbus discovers America, the world is never going to be the same again. Ever. Now, I'm going to get us started on Columbus. And the way I'm going to do that is this. What was he looking for? Why was he trying to cross the Atlantic Ocean, thinking he was going east? What were they after? Try to think of a land like Spain, Europe, in the 1400s. And if you were not royalty, you lived a pretty bleak life. Because what you did not have is you did not have things like good meat. You did not have things like nice clothing. You wore animal skins. The meat was spoiled. The meat was spoiled. Remember the chicken? How long did they leave that dead fish out there? What they tried to do was preserve it with salt. It did not work very well. It got bad. It was putrid. And you either ate that or you did not eat. Royalty had things. They had spices and things like that. But the important thing is how did the communists learn about this stuff? And the answer were the Crusades. There were four Crusades between 1096 A.D. and 1204. And when these Crusaders came back from the East, like a lot of soldiers and a lot of marines in World War II, Vietnam, they brought back souvenirs, a Japanese flag, a Japanese sword. The Crusaders were bringing back things they had traded for. And when they got home, they could not wait to show and share these things with their family. And one of the things that they shared was, Crusader comes back, his girlfriend comes to see him, or his wife, and as she comes up to give him a welcome home kiss, he remembers they did not bathe Posu. The history of bathing. You've all seen movies about the Roman baths. They bathe. And then they got to thinking that when you bathe, you washed all of the protection off of you and you got sick. So they stopped bathing to protect themselves from the illnesses. That's the time that we're speaking of. And so when the young lady came up and the crusader learned that she had not had a bath, never mind, He takes out some perfume and dumps it on her. And now she's no cleaner, but she smells sweet. I need some more perfume, she says the next day. And he tells her, that's all I got. I just had that little bitty bottle. What? That's all you had? Yeah. Podcasters. Podcasters. The analogy. You get in the middle of the Sahara Desert, and you find a little boy, and you ask that little boy, Have you ever had an ice cream cone in your life? And that little boy says, No, you don't even know what it is. And so you go over to the ice chest and you pull one out. Here's your one. And that little boy eats that ice cream cone. Oh, my. That's delicious, and you tell him I just want to see you to see what you're missing because you're not ever going to get another one. That's all the perfume that I had. That's it. Here I brought some silk. Silk? How many dresses can we make out of this silk? Uh, one. One. That's it. That's all I could get. But you know what, Podcaster? They had miles of silk over the East. They had gallons of perfume in the East. It was all in the East, gallons and miles. And then you go inside for a welcome home meal and it was the same welcome home meal that you had for the goodbye meal, spoiled, salted, rotten meat. But as the family got ready to dig in, you have a little surprise And you tell them, close your eyes, close your eyes. And you reach down in a little pouch and you bring out some spices. And you put those spices all over that meat. Got the spices I was asked once. Well, let's just use my A157 salt. And those people bit into that spoiled, rotten, salted meat. And their eyes got big for the first time it was delicious it was still spoiled it's still rotten but it fooled the taste buds and you know what the question is where'd you get this? only had a little bit that's all I got can't have any more where does it come from it comes from the East what's the problem what's the problem You go to the east, and you get over there, you can get this stuff. It doesn't cost much money at all, probable. Do you know how many thieves are going to try to get all the gargo that you got? you know how long it takes to get from there to here? Takes years. And the thieves and the bandits were so numerous, the insurance was just killing And so by the time you got the spices and the silks and the perfumes from the east to England, a commoner could no way afford that. Only the royalty could afford it. And so what they needed to do was get to the source where you could get that inexpensively and get it back over here so commoners could afford that. That's what this was all about. And so... While all that was going on, we have a man by the name of Marco Polo, Marco Polo, and Marco Polo date 1254 A.D. to 1324, I'm excuse, 1254 to 1324, and his father had gone to China and become a friend of the Genghis Khan. He comes back to Italy. He's going to go back to China with some other traders. The others don't want to go. Marco Polo goes with the father. They get over there. And he hits it off with Genghis Khan. He's going to be over there about 20 years. He has the run of the empire. He's in China from 1295 to 1313. He finally comes back to Italy, and they find that his city-state has gone to war. He outfits a warship, takes off, doesn't come out so well, loses the battle, gets captured, is put in a prison with other prisoners, and while he's in there with a man by the name of Pesca, P-I-S-C-A, excuse me, P-I-S-A, Pesca, a cellmate, they start talking. I'm going to just make this up. I'm going to just make this up. You're standing in line to go to the theater. It's a popular movie. It's a long line. It's not even moving yet. And so you decide that you're going to pass some time, and you look at that person in front of you, and you say something like, have you ever been to Houston? Houston. And he's, no, never been to Houston. i not been to Houston. Well, you say, I've been to Houston several times. You want to hear about it? Well, he's nice. Well, yeah, sure, tell me about Houston. Well, my God, you went and saw the old Astrodome. You saw that. You went and watched the Texans play. And then you ask this gentleman in front of you, have you ever been anywhere? And he says, I've been to the moon. I'm an astronaut how impressed you think he was that you had been to Houston this cellmate and Marco Polo were talking and Marco Polo told him I've been to China I spent 20 years there and that cellmate and Marco Polo decided they would do something write a book Let's write a book. And that book, people, The Travels of Sir Marco Polo. When the war is over and they get released, that book sells like hotcakes. And what the importance of that book is is this when the Crusaders were bringing back just a little bit of perfume, a little bit of spices, and yes, a few gold trinkets. How do you know that's not all there was? Marco Polo's book, people. Oh, yes, he confirmed it. You want perfume? Gallons. Gallons. Spices. Barrels full of them. Gold. Oh, podcasters. There's gold there. You know, listen to this. I'm going to remind you later, oh, it's going to be later, 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 but I'm going to remind you, there are streets of gold, there are houses of gold, there's more gold there than you would ever believe, it's all there in China, it's in Asia, it's in Japan, it is a paradise, it's in the book, it's in the book. I would tell you, podcasters, I've read a lot of history, and I'm not bragging. I just started, I started liking history when I guess I was in the fifth grade, and a book I read once about Marco Polo telling these stories. People didn't believe him. They didn't believe him. Oh, he's just making that stuff up. You know, you gotta just making it up. And one of the people that did not believe him was one of the church people, a priest. And when Marco Polo was dying, the priest was called in to give last rites. And as the priest leaned down, And Polo knew he was dying. The priest whispered something into his ear. Someone heard him. Confess. Confess that you have lied in your book. And Polo, very weak, said, lied? I did not tell you half of what I saw because I knew you would not believe what I told you anyway. Lying I did not lie. Anybody read Marco Polo's book? Braun Starr, did you read it? Todd. Courtney, Debbie. No you didn't. Neither have I. Remember Devaca? Remember the Kwatekin? Tekin, killed babies at birth. There are historians today that believe that Devaca made a lot of that stuff up. Made it up because he wanted to sell books. There are people that say that Marco Polo made a lot of that stuff up because he wanted to sell books. I have no clue what the royalties would have been in those days. I'm going to tell you, Podcaster. They were there. We weren't. I'm not sure with Devaka how much you could have made up. Where were they gotten it from? And how would we ever know? It's all we've got. It is what it is. And that's what it was. When I tell you about Columbus, Oh, because I will guarantee you, Columbus read that book of Marco Polo, and when he goes on his voyages, did you hear the S? He goes on his voyages, that book is going to be with him. That book will be with him. And when we get on his first voyage, I would tell you something that he read in that book of Marco Polo. And then you tell me if he made it up okay and so just to recap the Vikings were here 500 years before Columbus so unimportant they forgot they were here and then Columbus was gonna come and what's he doing he needs to get to Asia to get to the source so that you can pick up all this gold and perfumes and silks and bring it back bringing it back with camel, or the desert, or on ship. I may say this more than once, but I'm gonna say it right now. Until the railroad, the fastest, cheapest, did you hear that, inexpensive, cheapest way to transport anything was to put it on a boat and put it on the water and sail. How much does wind cost? That's why Columbus wants to go. See, they had had a route to the east. Camel. What he needs is a water route to go to the spices that Marco Polo said were there. And so the next podcast, we would do Columbus. Have a good evening.